you know, Easter Sunday is always a big one for a pastor and for a church. And so you have this, this high. And then anytime we baptize people, I'm emotional. I, I, I can't say enough about how bold of a statement that is. But I, I've been carrying this word enthusiasm in my heart all week. I, I believe that there is a spiritual buzz in the air at IFC. If you've been here, you call this place home, you can kind of, you can almost smell it like, man, God's doing something. And I had someone come up to me a few weeks ago and say, man, you're a passionate bunch of people, aren't you? And I said, yeah, that's who we are. We, we live with passion, man. This is who we are. But the way that the Lord's been talking to me this week for you is with the word enthusiasm. And he said, you ought to think of your church as an enthusiastic group of Christ followers. And I think that describes us. A few weeks back in January, we had our Vision Sunday. And if you were here or you didn't, every year we pray and ask the Lord, what, what do we need to do this year? What's the direction you have for us? And we call it our mandate or our responsibility. And the mandate for 2022 was this. It was stay the course. Anybody know the back half? Full speed, full speed ahead. Everybody say full speed ahead. Full speed stay the course, full speed ahead. And I want to just remind you that full speed ahead means with as much speed or energy as possible. That means we're putting forth some effort. It means that one is going with great enthusiasm vigor or energy into whatever task it is that's being undertaken. I love this word enthusiasm because it describes me. I'm enthusiastic. It doesn't really matter what I'm into or what I'm talking about. I'm going to be passionate about it. I'm just wired that way. But I really believe that it's not me wired that way. It's God in me coming out that way. The truth is, is when you look at the word enthusiasm, it's a Greek word called entheos. Any Greek scholars here today? Good, so you won't correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's, Pastor Earl, help me out. It's, it's in theos, which means in, inside, in theos. You've heard of theology, the study of God. When you take in and theos together, you get the word enthusiasm, which literally means in God. It really means to be filled with God. And I want to talk to you today about what does it mean to live a spirit-filled life where we're filled with God and it causes us to be enthusiastic about everything that He calls us to do. The thing that I love about this church, I, I love everything, and maybe every week I'll give you another little nugget of what I love, but what I love seeing this past Easter was the enthusiasm of our church family coming together to celebrate the resurrection. I don't know about you, but I've been to some dead churches. Somebody snorted over here. I, I've been to some dead churches where when you walked in, it was like, man, I don't know if Jesus, I don't know if they believe in the resurrection in this church. I mean, my dad used to say he'd been to a church where it was so dry, they would roll water bottles towards the stage, you know, for the pastor. But I never feel that here. Like what I feel here, no matter how dry I come in or how, 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 how busy my week's been or how drained I feel, the body of Christ here always renews me and I leave more enthusiastic because something's been put in me. The truth is, is spiritual enthusiasm isn't something that you work up. I had someone uh, come up to me a while back, it's been several years ago, but they said, you know, you always preach to us like we should be like you. I'm just not an extrovert, I'm an introvert. And I said, well, you sound pretty extroverted right now with the tone in your voice. <laughs> Everybody can't be like you, Pastor Josh. And I said, it's not about being like me. It's about being filled with God, and then he comes out of you. Amen. It's not about being loud. It's not about being 
proud or arrogant. or It's none of that. It's, it's when you get so filled with God, there's a passion that comes out of your heart. Everybody say heart. It's, it's a posture of your heart to say, Lord, do something in me that's going to make a difference in the life of somebody else. Truth is, is you can't work up enthusiasm. It's a posture of the heart. Enthusiasm is born in the presence of God by the power of God. If we want to be more enthusiastic and we want to have more oomph and energy and speed and vigor and vital stuff, it's, it's, it's what, what does it come from? It comes with us being with Jesus. It comes from getting around that resurrected power and it causes us to have a little bit more confidence as we go about our daily lives. That's where enthusiasm comes from. It comes out of intimacy with God. We talked a little bit about this last week. It, it comes from reading the Word. It comes from praying in the Spirit. It comes from uh, being with Him more than we're with anybody else. Amen. I shared a message a few months ago called Stay Full. And to go, to, to go full speed ahead, we have to stay full. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay full. What do we have to stay full of? We have to stay full of the Word and full of the Spirit, and you'll find out there's an energy about you that really isn't about you. It's within you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, Paul says, But thank God. We could just stop right there. For some of us, we need more enthusiasm by just thanking God for where we are. We don't have enthusiasm because we're complaining about what's going on around us and around us and around us and it feels like we're overwhelmed. We start with this. We start by thanking God because he gives us the victory over sin and death through who? Is this on y'all screen up here? Through Jesus Christ. I see some of y'all squinting. They're like, where's the big screen? The letters used to be this big. I got He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, my dear brothers, be strong, be immovable. Listen to this. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I want to challenge you today, as I always do. I kind of want to step on your toes. I want to get in your world for a few minutes because I, I, I believe that, that God's called us to be enthusiastic all of our days, not just Easter Sunday. It's easy to be enthusiastic on Easter because it's a special day we picked. You better come to church, dress nice, look nice, and bring somebody because God's going to show up. It's like enthusiasm by control. <laughs> better bring it. Better bring it, worship team. Better bring it, Pastor Josh. There's this, this pressure. And we do, we show up and we bring it. But what about the week after Easter? Well, it's easy too today because all these people got baptized. So it's easy to be enthusiastic when someone gets dunked and says, I'm going for Jesus. We celebrate that here. But let me ask you this. What about tomorrow and next week? And what about the week after that when the devil starts telling you, you just had an emotional experience. You really didn't get saved, man. Are you wake up in the same pressures and temptations that have been gone for a week because you stopped answering the phone and you locked your door, they show up again and say, we ain't seen you in a while. Come hang out with us again. How do we keep that momentum moving forward in our life? How do we continually stay living in enthusiastic spiritual life? Truth is, is it takes work. I believe, let me say this, I believe there's, there's two types of people. Everybody say two types. Next week, I'll bring three types, and then later, I'll give you like eight types. But today, I'll just talk about two types of people. There's those that allow their circumstances 
to influence their enthusiasm. This is going on around me, so that dictates how enthusiastic I can live. And then there's those who use their enthusiasm to influence their circumstances. There's those that allow what's going on around them to dictate their attitudes, their moods, and their perspective. But then there's another group of people that allow what's going on inside of them. Everybody say inside. Inside of them to influence the climate around them. You could say it this way. There's two types of people. There's thermometers and then there's thermostats. My question is, which one are you? See, a thermometer is, is, is someone that, that tells you the temperature of what's going on around outside. I got one on my phone. I got a temperature app. And every morning I get up and I say, how cold is it today? It's already April. It should be warm by now. And it tells me 42 degrees. And I'm thinking, I forgot. We moved to New England six years ago. And that's how a lot of people live their life. You ask them how they're doing and they respond to you as a, hey, well, this is what's going on. This is what's happened. This is where I'm at. Wah, wah, wah. Zero enthusiasm. And then there's another group that have decided that based on what's going on inside, we're going to set the atmosphere everywhere we go. We're thermostat Christians. When I show up at the job or when I show up at the neighborhood or when I show up at school, I'm the one that's going to set the temperature. I don't need anybody else to tell me how cold it is. I don't need anybody else to raise the roof for me. I'm going to bring the heat when I show up because the resurrection power is on the inside of me. Because I stay full it doesn't matter what environment I enter, I can change the temperature. Listen, enthusiasm just isn't about you. It's about those around you. And when you decide I'm no longer going to be a thermometer Christian, but I'm going to be a thermostat, you get to affect change everywhere you go and bring people up and give them hope. Through what? Through Jesus Christ. So which one are you? Which one do you want to be? Today I want to give you just a spiritual checkup that you can do over the next seven days until we gather together again. But I want to talk to you about three areas that we really need to check our enthusiasm. And the first one is we need to check our enthusiasm about our relationship with the Lord. It's easy to come in again and get excited here when we've got this amazing worship team and your kids are being taken care of. I realize some of you just come to church because you get an hour break, your kids get to go upstairs, and you're like, at least one hour a week. And we're glad to provide that, but that's not why you're here. You're here to meet Jesus. The goal is that when you drop your kids off, that they would meet Jesus. The whole goal of us gathering is that you would grow more intimately, as he said, acquainted with him, and be filled up. But we need to make sure that we continually stay full. For some of us, our relationship lately with the Lord is less than enthusiastic than it was the day we gave our heart to the Lord. Remember when you accepted Jesus? Maybe you were probably fired up like I was, or, or maybe you, you, you know, recommitted your life to the Lord. There was this, I'm doing this. I'm all in now. I'm going. And you began to tell people about it, and you lived a little bit brighter and bolder, but maybe because of life and circumstances that you've kind of backed off, and you would say today, I'm probably not as enthusiastic as I once was. I remember my dad telling us when he got saved, like he really got saved. Like, like really, really got saved. Like he wanted to tell everybody about Jesus and so he became a bumper, stick, bumper sticker fanatic. My parents had this old station wagon and he would put like bumper stickers like on the bottom, you know, Jesus saves. 
on the, on the bumper there, you know. So if you park behind him, you, you're getting the gospel, right? And then he put them on the other bumper in case you were overside, you could see, you know, Jesus loves you. And then it became like there were stickers all over the back window, so it was like a billboard. <laughs> and it was like the more stickers he put on, the more evangelism he thought he was doing. He said he started sticking them on the bottom of the car underneath, so when the mechanic put it up on the left, he'd be like, I can preach that dude right there. This guy loves Jesus. Uh, give me that 10W30 over here. He said, I was so crazy, I started putting them on the roof just in case there was any low-flying aircraft. I want them to know, that guy going down I-93, man, that guy loves Jesus. I need to repent. What is that? That's enthusiasm. And some of us, we're scared to put anything on our car because we don't want anybody to know. Not y'all. Y'all got it? All right. Some of us this week, I want to just challenge you even as you gave your heart to the Lord last week. The enemy would love to come and tell you, hey, just be quiet. Just chill out, man. Yes, you gave your heart to the Lord, but you don't need to go crazy with it. People are going to think you're a freak. Who do I care what people think? He saved me. Like I know where I was. I know what I've been doing, and he brought me out of it. But I'm going all in. Don't let the enemy try to bring your temperature down just because it ain't Easter Sunday. Man, he wants you to stay full so it can be Easter Sunday every day. Revelations says this. Jesus said, I know all that you do, and I know that you're neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other. But because you're not, because you're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. That's pretty powerful words. I didn't say that. Jesus said that, just so you know. I'm not spewing anybody out of my mouth. We love everybody, but he's saying right here, I mean, I'd rather you either be just cold turkey or, or blazing hot. And I can tell you as your pastor, there's been seasons in my life where I didn't feel fired up. I didn't feel like a, a thermostat. I felt more like the thermometer because so much was going on around me. And during those seasons, guess what? I didn't read my Bible as much. And, and, I, and I didn't go to a small group. And I, I didn't come to church every week. And when I was at church, I was just kind of spectating. I wasn't participating. And the truth was is each week after week after week, I was less full and less full and less full and less full. And then all of a sudden I realized, man, I don't really have any enthusiasm for my relationship with the Lord. I want to just challenge you, don't allow the enemy to steal your enthusiasm in your relationship with the Lord. It's our job to stay full of the Word and the Spirit Monday through Friday through Saturday. So we show up on Sunday, we're all full, and God does what only He can do in this room. See, God's desire is that we become enthusiastic about our relationship with Him. I want to read you this out of Norman Vincent Peale's book, uh, Enthusiasm Makes the Difference. He pastored a great church in New York for about 50 years, and I, I love his writing. He said, Voltaire once described a man as being like a warming oven, always heating, but never cooking anything. Heating just enough to get by, but never really cooking. He says, maybe it's a time for us to stop simmering and become fired by a new and vital enthusiasm. The mental and spiritual heat created by enthusiasm can burn off the apathy failure elements in any personality and release unused, unexpected, or unusual power in their life. What's he saying here? Every one of us has the ability to turn it up or turn it down. Why wouldn't you turn it up? 
There's so much in us that God wants to do through us for somebody else, but it's determined and set by the enthusiasm, first and foremost, that we have with Him. The second way that we need to check our enthusiasm is in how we serve the kingdom. Once you've given your heart to the Lord, I really believe that the next step is you commit your life to the Lord and then you publicly declare it as many did today. And from there on, now you're asking, Lord, what's my assignment? For some of us, we need to check the thermostat of how we serve other people because once you join the family of God, once you join us, then then the gifts and talents in you belong in this house and you get a great reward for serving those around us. One of the things I love about our church is everywhere you turn, there's enthusiastic people. I remember in 2013, it was kind of my first time back in a long time. I came up as kids and our families were connected, but it was probably a 10-year gap where I college and Bible school and missions. And then I came back in 2013 and we walked in the, up on the stoop and there was somebody in a blue, uh, blue um, I almost said hockey jersey, a blue soccer jersey. And they were out front and they opened the door and they said, hey, welcome to IFC. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll walk in. I came on in and there was three or four blue shirts. And they said, man, you look good. I like those shoes. I said, you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, talking to you. Hey, good to see you. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. And I was like, man, I I feel like I'm at the (laughs) Ritz-Carlton. That guy was like, this is amazing. Like, whoa, I mean, this was proactive. They're coming to us. And then we walked in here, and and there was an usher that met us in the back. And they said, two, party of two. We got great seats for you down front, man. And they brought us down and set us right down here. And I thought, valet service? This is amazing, like the hospitality, wow, like, I kind of like this church. And then I got in here, and the worship team, man, they just, they just bouncing around, going nuts, and I'm like, I start tapping my foot. Some of y'all scared to raise your hands, but I see you, you're tapping your foot. You kind of, you know, you get that thing going, it won't be long. You start tapping your foot, your hands start going up later. And I remember they started jumping around, and there was a Sunday that I came, and I started kind of doing the little white man bunny hop. Like, is anybody watching me? What was it? It was enthusiasm in the way they were serving. <laughs> and then I remember when we came and we moved here in 2016, we had our little boy, Hunter. And I took him upstairs and Kids World Guest Services met us. They said, oh, welcome to IFC. He's going to have a blast. What's his name? I said, his name's Hunter. And they got down and said, oh, Hunter, you're going to have a great time. You're going to love it. We got games and candy. We're going to have a great time. And his eyes lit up and he went right in the classroom. I thought, man, this, there's some enthusiasm in this place. What? This church has a spirit of excellence in it. We, we kind of do it like this. We say, whatever it takes mentality. And whatever it takes in the different areas, we serve it because we, we, want, me, we want people to meet Jesus. And I think about maybe, let me read you the scripture and then I'll go there. Romans chapter 12. He says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keep your passion towards Him. Listen, boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him, who's He talking about? The Holy Spirit fill you with excitement as you serve. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing continual joy. Don't give up in times of trouble, but commune with God all the time. For many of us, this is a point where we really need to check ourselves. Because when you signed up to serve, man, you were fired up. Like you were excited. I was thinking about guest services. The first time they gave you that blue shirt, I'm sure you came to church. Like, oh man, I'm going to open the door for some folks. This is going to be awesome. I got a special uniform. And, and, and then somebody came through and you said, hey, how are you doing? They said, what are you doing? 
I can open the door myself. And you were like, oh, oh, all right, well, come on in. And then another week goes by, and all of a sudden, three grumpy people come through the door, and you're like, man, why are they taking out on me? I'm here to serve. And you went home that day saying, I don't know if I want to do that serving thing anymore. Man, people come, they're kind of grumpy around here. And the passion begins to drain. Think about our ushers here who have to deal with probably a lot of nonsense. Because they want you to sit in a specific spot. And when they first started, guess everybody was in line. They would sit down exactly where you asked them to. But over time, as you know, people, you say, hey, we got a great seat for you over here. And you're like, I don't sit on the left side. I sit on the right side. You should know that by now. <laughs> Not new here. I was really praying for the ushers during COVID because we didn't let you sit where you wanted. We had people coming in, man. They were like, I'm not going unless I can sit in my seat. I've been sitting there for 26 years. <laughs> and those ushers, man, at the end of the day, they had to encourage each other. They had to have a little powwow and repent on the behavior of some of us. <laughs> and I can tell you the truth. I'm sure some of them said, I'm done with ushering, man. That's, if that's what I got to put up with, I'm done. I'm going back to guest services. You think about the, 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 the great people that serve our kids upstairs. And they come and they go their next steps and they want to go and their, their passionate life is just babies. They love babies. And so man, they get in the nursery the first week and they got like diapers stuck in there like ammunition. They're like, come on, bring them on. I'll change them. Let's go. Come on. And then it's two or three weeks go by and they're loving it. And then it's that third week, you know, the baby throws up off the side. And there's a full blowout and you're like, oh my God, somebody bring the gloves. And then you come back and you tell the mom, hey, we ran out of diapers. And she's like, you did what? Why don't you take care of our kids? And she's grumpy. And you're thinking, I just served your family. And then week after week, parents come in and tell you this or that and how to treat their kids or how not to treat. And I'm sure there's some children's workers in here that you'd say, man, there's been seasons where I was like, oh, screw it. They can take their kids in the main if that's how it's going to be. <laughs> what is that? We lose the passion. We lose passion over time because we have to deal with people. But let me tell you something, as we serve in the kingdom of God, we're in the people business, and it's messy, and it's sticky, and enthusiasm is required, otherwise you're going to get burnt out. I think about this amazing team right here that comes each and every week, and they come on Thursday nights, and they put in time, practice, hours, prayer, I mean, they come to set the stage for you to worship. I'm sure that they were fired up when they first got on the stage, like, yeah, I'm going to put a guitar up there. And then I'm sure, just like anybody else, when you come and you're, you're fired up and you're jumping around and you look out and you're like, everybody's standing there looking at you like this. What y'all got today? Oh, we sang that song like three times. Are we gonna do some new songs up in here? What is this? I say, sing that song last Easter. I'm sure at times for them, if they were honest, there were times where they would probably want to serve in a greater capacity, but their, their, their passion is waning because of the response. I've been there. Even as a pastor, sometimes it's like, man, I don't, I don't, Lord, I'm doing everything I can. But there's some crazy sheep you sent us. And then I tell my wife, do we have to go back next week? She's like, yeah, you said you'd be there a long time. I want to challenge you, check your heart in how you're serving. And some of us need to relight the torch of a passion. And it's, a, it's an opportunity. 
Let me say it to you this way. You don't have to serve. We're not, we're no obligation church. You don't have to serve. You get to serve. And in those that do serve, we serve because we want to, because God's blessed us. And because we want to make sure that if he did something for us, that we have an opportunity to make that happen for somebody else. I want to speak to those that are new. Maybe you've been here. You've been kicking the tires. Man, what you see is what you get. You don't need to come here for five months before you realize this is where you need to be. You're still here. I want to invite you. Come serve with us. Some of the greatest fulfillment in your life, listen to me, the greatest fulfillment in your life will not be making tons of money. It'll be serving other people. It'll be serving other people. Number three, I'm having too much fun with y'all. Come serve with us. Maybe you just committed your life to the Lord over the last few weeks or few months. We have a place for you. Come join uh, Next Steps after every service. We got a little, a little track that just tells you about who we are and, the, and how to hook up with us. But God's given you stuff in you that belongs in this house. Come, come hook up with us. The third area, and I'll, I'll finish with this. And this is where I want to go just a little bit deep. And you may say, well, I don't really need you talking to me about that, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyways. Because I love you. We, we need to be passionate about our relationship with God first and foremost, about how we serve within the kingdom, but we also need to make sure that we're enthusiastic in our workplace. It's easy to come in here and be fired up when you got this. It's easy to come in here, but what about Monday through Friday when, when you continue to check in and clock in late? Or you're the one that decides that I, 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 I don't get paid to do all that. I'm just going to do this. You know that your fervor and your zeal and your passion and your enthusiasm in the workplace directly affects your witness. People are watching us. Pastor Jonathan's taught me the camera's always on. Walking down the grocery aisle, someone says, hey, Pastor Josh. I'm like, who's that? I was in Nordstrom Rack last Saturday and I'm going to get a belt and the girl looks up and she says, how you doing, Pastor? She had a big old mask on. I was like, I don't know you. <laughs> or do I? Good to see you. She called me out. She came up in line last Sunday. She said, remember me? Nordstrom Rack. I said, yeah, I remember you. I, thank you so much. <laughs> Everywhere we go, we're being a testimony. Everywhere we go, we're able to plant the seeds or we're inhibiting ourselves from planting seeds. Colossians says this way. He says, Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself. Well, you don't know my boss. I don't want to meet him. I know Jesus. And if you serve that boss like you'd serve Jesus, you might get a raise. The message says, and don't just do the minimum that, that you will get you by. Do your best. Work from your heart for the real master, for, for God. Confident. Listen, be confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into inheritance, keep in mind always the ultimate master you're serving is Jesus Christ. Don't be one of those people that their response to more work is, I don't get paid for that. I'm not getting paid to do that. That's so-and-so's job. I'll just do this. That's not working unto the Lord. That's not a good example for us as believers. We're over and above kind of people. I'll tell you a story and then I'll close. Can I have one more story? 2004, I was in a transitional season in my life. I had left a job and I was moving to San Antonio, Texas, actually New Braunfels, a little German town. And 
I was going to be there for a short time. And, and I needed a job. Anybody need a job? Who's believing God for a job? Just raise your hand. Who else? Wait, 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 wait. Who's, who's believing for God? I needed a job. And so I, I was looking for any job that I could get. Like when you really want a job, you'll just go work. I don't need the management position. I'm holding out for management. Yeah, for 30 years you've been holding out for management. How about eight bucks an hour? Just start there. You know, let's go. Let's get to work. That was my mentality. So I did. I went and got a construction job, which I know nothing about. In fact, that wasn't really a construction job. I was the cleanup guy. I hauled lumber, and then I hauled trash out, and then I swept after they all left. $7.25 an hour. Because I needed a job, and I wanted to put my hand to something so that God could bless me. Listen to me. I wasn't looking to get a job so I could make a living. I knew that I wanted to have a job so I could make some giving. I need to take this here for a second. Some of us are looking for jobs so you can make a living. Stop looking for a job so you can make a living. Start looking for a job that gives you the ability to give and God will meet you where you're at and he'll supply your needs. So I was driving down the road after my construction job and I saw this sign on the interstate that said, I sold it on eBay. And, and I love eBay. At that time I was selling all kinds of junk on eBay. I was going to yard sales and buying your trash and selling it on eBay for 10 times more. I still do that to this day. I love it. And, and I saw this. I said, I sold it on eBay. I made a hard lap. And I pulled in there and I walked in. And I said, what, what is this place? I love eBay. She's like, calm down, sir. You're freaking us out. I said, I said just tell me what y'all do. She said, well, we help people sell stuff on eBay. The majority of people don't know how to list things. They don't know how to price them. And honestly, they don't know the value. So we help them. They bring us their items. We sell it for them. Then we give them a cut of the. I said, I love this. I want to get a job here. And she said, well, sir, uh, uh, we're opening a new location, you know, a little ways away from here. We could apply for that. Bring your resume tomorrow and I'll meet you. So I went home. I got my resume and tweaked it out and set it up. And I went in and I met with her. And, and after a few minutes, she said, Mr. Roberts, I'm sorry. She said, you're overqualified. I said, for what? She said, you're overqualified. I can't hire you. She said, all we have is entry-level positions. I said, that's all I'm looking for. I don't need anything else. She said, sir, you're going to be really bored. I mean, it's entry-level stuff. It's, it's $8 an hour. I said, I'll take it. And she said, sir, I really would love to talk you out of this. I think you're going to be bored. You've, you've managed hundreds of people. You've done this and that. I, I think you, you know, you're overqualified. I said, I need a job. Could you give me the job? She said, okay, but it doesn't start for two weeks. So I'll call you in a week or so. It's over at another location about 20 minutes away. And so that night I got home and I went and Googled where the new store was. And the next morning I got up early, I got my coffee and I went and got my donuts. I love donuts in the morning. Like a lot of donuts and a lot of coffee. And I drove over there and, and I got to the place. There's a brand new strip mall, beautiful strip mall. And it was, I sold it on eBay sign, but there was like paper on the windows. And so I went over there and I'm kind of peeking through and I realized there's some guys in there doing drywall work and doing some other, you know, construction stuff to get the store ready. And so I opened the door and it was open. And so if the door's open, I just, I don't know about you, I just go on in. <laughs> and so I just walked on in. I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. I'm, I'm just awesome. And the, the manager who had did the interview the day before, she was in the back. The door was open, and she was smoking a cigarette. <sighs> she had one door, you know, she's smoking out the back, but she had the door open. She was in the, I was like, all right. And, and so she said, hey, what, what are you doing here? And I said, I, I just came by to see the store. And she said, we don't open for two weeks. I told you I'd call you. I said, I know, I know, I know. And I just kept on walking in. I walked all the way to the back. 
And the guys were in there, they were doing some drywall, but they were also putting some shelving up, some massive shelving, because they're going to put all the stuff they're going to sell. And so I just grabbed a box cutter, and I went over there, I cut the box, and, and, and she said, what are you doing? I can't pay you. I said, I just, I got nothing else to do. I just want to help you. I just, I just helped. She said, sir, I can't, I can't pay you. I, I'm not even sure you're supposed to be here. I said, probably not, but I'm here. So let's, and, and I started helping these guys put together the shelving. I stayed like four or five hours, and she said, Josh, thanks for your help. We'll see you in 10 days. I'll call you. No, 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 no. I went back the next day. I went back the next day, and, and, and they were in there, and there was a guy in the back. He was waxing the floor that they just laid in there, and, and he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. So I walked over. I said, dude, what are you, what are you, what are you? He said, I don't know. I just work here. And I said, well, huh? I got down on my knees. I started waxing the floors, and she came in late. She's like, what are you doing here again? I cannot pay you. I said, I understand. I just, I just want to help. I'm excited. She said, you're pretty enthusiastic, aren't you? You love this eBay stuff. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I'll see you tomorrow. She said, I can't. No, you can. I went the next day and helped them set up the computer systems and the cameras. And then I got the shipping station all dialed in with the little bubbles and the bubble wrap and the boxes. And I went like day after day after day. And guess what? We opened two weeks later. I, I knew everything. And all the new employees showed up at 9 o'clock. I was there at 8 o'clock. And when they walked in, she'd say, oh, we're going to have a little team meeting. I'm so-and-so, and this is Josh. And, and Josh, could you show so-and-so how to run the computer system? And I was like, oh, yeah, I can show them how to do that. And, and then when I got done, there, she said, like, can you show them? He's going to run the shipping station. And I went over there and showed them how to do the shipping station. And then I went in the back and talked to the inventory guys. And, and then over that first week, I trained all the staff. And in week two, she promoted me, and I became the assistant manager. And the system manager gets a raise. I wasn't making eight bucks an hour anymore. Only two weeks in, I'm making $16 an hour. Well, what, what, what is that? It's just, man, when you're enthusiastic about something and you do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord, He'll promote you even when other people deserve it better than you. 90 days in, I'm running the store. I'm the assistant manager. got keys. I'm doing the schedule now. I show up when I want and I book other people to show up when I don't want to be there. And I'm running the computer one day, and these two gentlemen walk in in suits, and they said, hey, are you da-da-da-da-da? Uh, I said, yeah. And he said, are you Josh? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I own this place. Oh, I only know so-and-so, the manager. He said, I'm the owner. We have 10 locations, and we want to put 10 more in. She said, you're awesome. She said, you're pretty enthusiastic about this job. Would you consider moving to Dallas because we want to open a brand-new store? We want to give you your own store. I said, um... Well, what I haven't told her is I said, I've got to put my two-week notice in today. I already got another job. He said, what are you talking about? You just got here. I said, I know this is just, this is just interim. I just want I need some work for a time. He said, no, no, we want to give you a store name, your number. What do you want? And I said, well, the truth is I'm, I'm really not an eBay guy. I just for fun as a hobby. I'm a pastor. And I've just accepted a role in another state. I'm going to be moving. He said, man, I don't know about that pastor and stuff, but I wish I had 10 more employees like you. I'm not, I'm not tooting my horn, but I do want to encourage you. This is the life that we're called to live, and we're called to live a life of excellence. If you have a job, be grateful for your job, and give it everything you have, because here's the thing. They probably know you're a believer in the way that you're living your life on the job or not is a great indication of whether they want to be a part of the kingdom of God or not. I meet people all the time, and they say, man, we love Jesus. We just don't love Christians. 
I said, what do you mean? They said, we read the book about Jesus and who he was, but these people that we meet on our jobs, man, they don't act like him at all. They must say that on a Sunday, but every other day, man, let's not have that said of us. Our greatest testimony is how we apply ourselves and our enthusiasm in the job you've been given. And I'll say this to you. If you don't have the job that you want, man, own it like it is. Go there, work hard, give it everything you got and take it to the Lord. And guess what? He knows how to get papers lost in HR where you find yourself at the top of the stack for the promotion, for the bonus, for the raise. What is that? That's just supernatural favor because you've chosen to live according to an enthusiastic lifestyle. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks for listening. But maybe you're one that says, man, I, I, I got to dial this in. I, I need some stuff. Maybe my relationship with God isn't where it needs to be. It could be a little bit hotter. I'm kind of on simmer. I'm kind of like a warming oven. But I can tell you this, I ain't cooking much with the Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to adjust that and turn up the heat in your relationship with him number two maybe you're here today and you say hey man my my serving I'm serving but I I could do it better I I didn't realize how much it affected anybody that was coming that may want to meet Jesus and I need to adjust some things or maybe you're the third party that says thanks for calling me out today because I haven't been given my best at my job I, I need to do better The truth is, is when we adjust our enthusiasm in any one of these areas, gives us the opportunity to lead more people to Jesus. First call, I want to give two prayers today. Number one, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need that prayer. I've not been doing so great in my serving, and I haven't been doing so great in my relationship with the Lord. Or maybe, ah, man, you pulled my card on the the work thing. I need to adjust that. Just put your hand up. Put it back down. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Say, pray for me. I, I, need to, I need to adjust. I need to dial it. Yeah, hands everywhere. All of us. Tons of people. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. There's no condemnation here. All across, I see you in the back. Yeah, yeah, hands all over the place. We're going to pray a prayer together in just a minute. We're going to ask the Lord to forgive us, and we're going to go back this week, and we're going to turn up the heat in our relationship with Him. Attitude of serving and or commitment to the jobs that he's given us. Number two, maybe, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I, this enthusiasm, you said it comes from in, I don't, he's not in me. I'm enthusiastic, but it's in my own power and I'm, I'm running out. I, I need that power, your, that resurrection power you talked about. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, say, raise your hand, just put it up and put it right back down. I see you, yes, man, I see you. Yes, yes, yes. All the way in the back, I got you, buddy. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I got you, yep, yep, yep. Come on, be bold. Say, pray for me. I, I need Jesus. I want to make my, yes, sir, I got you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody else want to join these? Almost probably a dozen hands went up. Say, man, I want, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Don't miss your moment. Yes, ma'am. Got you in the back. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir, got you. Maybe you're watching us online, wherever you're at, just right there in the chat box, put, somebody pray with me. I need prayer. I want Jesus. Maybe wave your little hand and a little emoji. Let them know. Anybody else say, yes, ma'am. One last call. Say, pray for me. Got you. Got you. Oh, man, can you do this with me? Open your eyes. We're we're a family church here. We like to to do things together. And so I'm going to ask you whether this is your first time praying this or whether you call IFC home and this is your house. Would you just pray this out loud with me? And let's do it enthusiastically. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I ask you today to forgive me 
for anything that I've done or said against you and your word. Today, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead so that I could have this, this life filled with power, this life filled with enthusiasm. So today in front of my friends, I declare you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.